Welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood, episode 96. My guest today is singer and songwriter Lisa Loeb. She's going to talk to us about how she manages motherhood in the music business. Hello, Mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hi, guys. Welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. So glad you're here. And if you are a regular, hi, I've missed you. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling a little sassy and strange. Um, I'm actually not even in um, Hollywood this week doing the show. Um, I'm actually in Oklahoma. This has been a really tough week for my family. Uh, we had a family member pass away, so I had to suddenly leave town and uh, come and be with my family. So you know what? The beauty of podcasting is that I can do it from all over. <laughs> That's why you have like wildly successful podcasters who are like in the middle of Ohio or Indiana or something like that. Um, so it's good to know that I could keep, of course, I don't know if I could keep the name motherhood in Hollywood if I was actually in Oklahoma. Do you think people would listen to a podcast called motherhood in Oklahoma? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> Sounds really judgy and I mean it too. Uh, I mean, and I mean it that way anyway. Um, so that's what's happening with me. Before I came to Oklahoma this week, though, um, so awesome. I got to go and interview Blake Shelton on The Voice. I'm doing a special piece for him, a featured piece for him for the local TV station. I don't know if I've mentioned before, but I am the entertainment reporter for um, KJRH Channel 2 here in Tulsa. And I do uh, entertainment reports for them from time to time. It's not every week because, Lord, I do not have that kind of time. But uh, whenever big stories come up or, you know, things like that happen it, or things like that. And whenever big stories or feature story opportunities come up, I get to go and cover that from my station, which is so much fun because it's where I got my start in TV. I was an intern at Channel 2 and it's where I learned how to do a stand-up in front of the camera and like how to write you know, stories and keep them short, <laughs> as short as I could. So yeah, it's just really cool to kind of be working for them again. So anyway, I interviewed Blake Shelton, uh, and the voice, and we talked about Oklahoma and we talked about his, um, being his sense of humor on the show. And that's going to be airing in a very special piece, uh, for the finale of the voice. And I will make sure that I share that on motherhood in Hollywood and also my YouTube channel as well. If you guys have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, do that. Why not? Um, I don't post a ton of videos. Maybe I should post more. But more importantly, make sure you subscribe to my podcast, Motherhood in Hollywood. And um, follow me on Twitter at Motherhood in Hollywood and Instagram, excuse me, on Instagram at Motherhood in Hollywood and Facebook as well. Um, I like to have a lot of fun. I have a, um, some might say, quirky sense of humor. Uh, I like to think of it more as just honest. <laughs> Maybe I'm blunt uh, is one word. My mom says mean, but you know, whatever. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Uh, okay, so I want to get to the interview with my guest today. It's Lisa Loeb. She's a singer and songwriter. You guys will remember she wrote the song called Stay uh, from the Reality Bites soundtrack. And believe me, you'd be so proud of me. I resisted every urge not to sing it to her during this interview. <laughs> 
which I'm sure she uh, appreciated my uh, <laughs> my resistance. Um, but she wrote the song "Stay" from the Reality Bites soundtrack. She's also an author. She has an entire eyewear line, and um, I just a really lovely and inspiring mom in the music business. So I cannot wait to share this interview with you guys. Here's my interview with Lisa Loeb. So this is such a a treat for me to get to talk with you and interview you because I've been listening to your music for so long. And um, of course, my husband, when I told him that I was interviewing Lisa Loeb, hi, welcome, by the way. (laughs) Thank you very much. When I told him I was interviewing you, he was very jealous. My husband was a radio DJ um, in a college station in the 90s, late 90s. And and, um, oh. So as you can imagine, he is very familiar with music. Reality Bites was one of his um, favorite movies. So this is um, quite a treat. I'm I'm excited. So thank you for making the time to talk with me. Oh, sure. Thank you. This is so cool. So um, is your husband, where, where did he go to college or where, where was well, we, he at DJ? We met at Oklahoma State University in Stillwater. So there is like a little college town, a uh, radio station there called The Spy, and okay. um, he was the music director. I think he was all of like 19, 20 years old. And he, awesome. Yeah, and he loved it. So he got to meet all of these great like indie bands that would come through, college bands that would come through because they were the only, you know, alternative station in town, really the only radio station in town. And he got to interview oh, yeah. a lot of great people. Um, but I want to talk to you about, um, well, let's start first of all with um, you have – quite a repertoire of music and it's not just the music that we're talking about like you know um from the 90s and and things like that I want to talk about your kids music and when you decided to start making more family oriented types of songs and albums yeah um well it was funny I started making kids music a long time ago before Mm -hmm. I had kids Mm -hmm. um I think and it's I guess it makes sense because I didn't I I wasn't really in the kids' music world, per se. Um, I had a friend who had a band called Gustopher Yellow Gold, which is awesome, that I would listen to before I even had kids. Um, It was like kind of like Bread meets the Beatles and kind of just very dark and beautiful Um, and animated. He did his own animation. And then also my friend from college, my, my freshman roommate, who I also had a band with for like four years, I mean, six years, my friend Elizabeth Mitchell had done really well in the kids music world. Um, so I knew it existed. I just wasn't really in it. And, um, what I got an opportunity through, uh, Barnes and Noble to do a record. They wanted me, it was sort of the beginnings of people trying things that were different from, um, doing different, trying to put their music out in different ways, you know, not just typical large major labels, because, I think things were starting to change and, and major labels are really great when you're, you know, at the top of your game, they're not, they're not great 40 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's so many of us who aren't in that world. And a lot of people who are in that world aren't always in that world. So it's, it's not like a consistent thing. So anyway, when Barnes and Noble offered to do something that sounded really cool because their distribution, you know, especially back then about 15 years ago, you know, you still went into a bookstore and bought books and even music. Um, so they asked me to do something different. They suggested a kid's record, which was actually something I had wanted to do, but it wasn't because I liked kids that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it wasn't because I liked kids music that much. It was more 
it was more of my nostalgia. I, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and um, when I was very young, there was just a whole – entertainment was really for everyone. Even, you know, you'd stay up late and watch All in the Family with your parents or The Tonight Show. You had no idea what was happening. <laughs> uh, I would watch Fernwood Tonight, which was a really – it's a really great um, – it's like a, it's like a, a, what would you call it? Not a, like a variety show or it's a variety show. It was like a talk show, but it was actually a joke. It was um, a parody of a talk oh, show. Oh, a parody of a talk show. Okay. Um, yeah. It was really funny. Um, with Martin Mull and, um, it, so I'd watch that, the Sunny and Cher show, the Carol Burnett, there were all these variety shows that were on at the time. And then the kids music I listened to was more just sort of what was on the radio in the 1970s. A lot of soft pop a lot of um, disco, um, a lot of melodic singer-songwriter songs, like Brand New Key by Melody, mm-hmm. um, Melanie. And um, I don't know, there was just, it was sort of more focused on the grown-up. Even things like Sesame Street, which had just started, it had a very grown-up, funny, smart sensibility. And I always wanted to do something like that. I just, like, I love silliness, like The Muppet Show, um, but but cleverness and storytelling and... Uh, so, so that's sort of what I wanted to capture, and that's how I got into kids' music. Um, and I, but I did make my first record with my friend Elizabeth Mitchell, which was more of a kids' record. It has songs like Big Rock Candy Mountain and our version of um, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And that's, but as I've moved that's Catch along, the Moon, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's yeah. Catch the Moon. And, and, and I love it. It's really beautiful, and it's real instruments and real musicians and real singing. And I learned a lot from working with Liz about – how to make kids records. She always said, sing like there's a baby sleeping in the next room. <laughs> so that's why I offer her, her records, um, which tend to be a little more folky. They're, they're very hushed. And even when there's a band present, it, it it's a real band, but it's not like a hit you over the head. Wacky. Like rock. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's Tele- like Teletubby or no, not Teletubby. What is the, um, uh, wiggles. And stuff yeah. Like the that. wiggles and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I will say, funny, since I started making kids music, people give me a lot of kids music, and there's even music that I don't necessarily connect to that sometimes my kids, especially when they were younger, um, especially my son, really does connect to. So, Isn't that interesting? What they hear is totally, I mean, I think it's true that your music taste can develop and grow, because what my daughter listens to over and over and over again um, isn't necessarily what I like right now though. Thankfully she's into the troll soundtrack, which is really a fun soundtrack. Oh, we love that one. Do you listen to it? Do you guys listen to it a lot and watch the movie? We, I've only seen the movie once, but they've seen it a couple times, but we listen to the soundtrack all the time. Trolls. And, uh, we also listen to the soundtrack from sing. Uh, they've seen the movie a bunch of times, but trolls is really, really cute and funny. I love the song hair up. It's so like hard, you know, it's like, (laughs) even though it's, it's got that Gwen Stefani kind of rap, uh, hip hoppy, a little bit of vibe to it. It's a lot of, yeah, it's so much fun. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you got into music because you are truly a musician. Like there are a lot of pop stars. There are, there are, I think people who are manufactured to be in the music industry today. Um, but you are one of those people who I would truly call a musician. Was that something you knew at a young age you wanted to do? Did you grow up with music in your house? Yeah, I think it's just a cultural thing. Um, I'm a nice Jewish girl from Texas. Oh, really? What part of Texas? Um, Dallas. Oh, I'm from from Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
My gosh, y'all, I, I heard, I have an attorney who's from Tulsa. He's been my attorney for over 25 years. That's amazing. And he said they used to come over to shop from Tulsa. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's true. It's gotta true. Gotta come to Dallas to go shopping. That's um, true. I remember that was always a big deal in high school. Um, like on the weekends, uh, our friends, my rich friends, I should say, I would go along. I would go along sometimes, but they would all jump in the car with their moms and go on a weekend shopping trip to Dallas because I guess... We didn't have yeah. the same clothes or something in Tulsa. I yeah, don't know. And then probably go to North Park. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's it exactly. How fun! Get a fried pie in Oklahoma before you left. Oh my gosh, that's so. I love funny. fried pies. Um. So yeah. So you were a nice Jewish girl from Dallas, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and so music has always been um just a it's it's just hugely valued in my family. My parents. My dad's a doctor. And my mom's a homemaker, but she um, studied dance in college, and they just are both you know, everybody just is obsessed with music. They go to tons of musical theater, classical music. Um, you, there was tons of albums and records in the house all the time. And the radio was on, uh, when musicians would go on TV, it was a big deal. I have a big brother who's a classical pianist. Um, we're two years apart and he's a classical pianist and he started very young. Piano lessons were in the cards for us all. You know, you had to take piano lessons and by the time I was uh, probably six, seven years old, we were taking two piano lessons a week, one for technique and one for performance. And my, so my older brother is a pianist. I have a younger sister who um, writes music and sings music as well. She's a dance pop artist um, and electronic music. She's also an actress um, and a teacher. Um, she, works, she's, she works with kids with... Um, you know, kids who have special needs in terms of their learning differences. Um, but she's a musician. And I have a younger brother who's also, he does play music, but his profession is he, he um, is an engineer and he owns a few studios with some partners in New York. And they make, it's post-production audio studios and they make all those, all the big TV commercials that you see during the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. So, so everybody's really involved sort of in the arts. I mean, when we were growing up, the arts were an extracurricular, but it was what we spent all of our time doing. You know, we, we all went to piano lessons, dance. Well, the boys didn't go to dance, but my sister and I spent a lot of time in dance, theater, musical theater. Um, my dad played the piano in the morning, every, you know, every weekend. There was just always music on. It was, it was always a priority. Even when we started going to concerts, my mom, I remember she helped us get tickets to Elton John when I was... What? Back- that's 70s. Awesome. And we went to go see Elton John around the time of his best of record, like in the mid 70s, like 78. Uh-huh. Um, and and we, you know, it was music was always just a big priority. And, and because um, culturally, again, part of it for us is the education portion. So you aren't just a musician. You don't just pick up a guitar, but you also take lessons. Um, that being said, I did learn a lot about guitar playing at summer camp. My friend Almadal, who was also a school friend of mine, she brought her guitar and she had started taking lessons and she taught me how to play Stairway to Heaven and a couple other things. We would make up songs and do skits and it was, things were funny and serious and music was all around, but, but there was a big portion culturally in my family that you also need to know what you're doing and learn what you're doing. Sounds like it was like very creative and your family was really focused on the arts and it was doing things but it also yeah and it's sort of like our household here like there's always art supplies out and you know you look all over the place and you there's there's different projects going on clay and play-doh and potions and you know making up skits and and setting up little forts and barbie setups and that's you know fun. All kind of but that being said my, i don't think my parents really thought we would 
be musicians or actors for real when we grew up. Like make a Even career out of it. Our- yeah, I mean, that's what we did growing up. I was in plays. I, um, what do you think they wanted you to be? They they wanted you to be a, like a classically trained doctor? Yeah, like, like a doctor. Who could also play the piano? Yeah, mostly doctor who goes, just like them, you know, be a doctor and then be able to afford to go see really great musicians and support the symphony. And um, yeah, it was, you know, they'd come to see me in college and, and my friend Liz and I would have packed houses every time we play. And they'd say, well, what do you actually really want to do? I'm like, well, I think this is what I'm already doing. Like I'm, in play, I'm kind of doing this already and we can already play in New York city. And I think I should try this. So, so they would be like, this is nice, honey. This is a fun time, but what is, what is going to be your real job? Yeah, exactly. And I think in a way that helped me, it made me want to prove that like, this is going to be my real job. That's not always great for kids because sometimes you do a real job and then you realize, Oh, wait a minute. Is this what I really want to do? Or am I just proving myself? Sure. Like, are you really want to be an actor or is that, you know, you, you get into actually, I, I know you're an actor as well. And like, mm-hmm. I, I do some acting, not as much as you do, but sometimes you get roles and it's so exciting to get the role. And then you're there doing it. And you're like, okay, I'm sitting in a trailer. Mm-hmm. All I'm doing is worried about what my face looks like. I've got three <laughs> lines. It's not really a character. Like when I was doing plays and I could really get into my character. Um, uh, it's like, you, it's like you've been class. reading my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, well, would I be better off maybe teaching kids and using my acting background uh because I can read really well and I enjoy you know people (laughs) yeah um there's definitely been at least for me a lot of that questioning lately like am I as far as acting I've been I've been pursuing a career in acting for over 10 years and while I have had some success there's been a lot more um, missed opportunities and, you know, quote unquote failures or whatever. So you start to question, am I doing the right thing? Am I headed down the right path? And I've right. been feeling well, very introspective. That's just part of the job. Yeah. You're like that's just the job. The job is mostly people telling, I mean, you hear it time and time again in these like career things you go to speeches or whatever, or people give you advice. They're like, you're going to hear no a lot. Yeah. And, and now like, you know, 25 years later, I'm like, it's true. You hear no all the time. A lot. A lot. Like you just get used to it. Cause it's mostly no. And I do a lot of voiceovers as well. And there are, I definitely have some really great voiceovers I've gotten to do. And, but I, I was cleaning my desktop the other day on my computer and I was like, Oh my gosh, I've auditioned for so many voiceovers. <laughs> it's just unbelievable, you know, and it's just, luckily the process is fun for me, but yeah, I, I read a book that you might enjoy called finding the work you love, how to find the work you love by Lawrence Bolt, B-O-L-D-T. Okay. And it helps you. It's the shortest of all of his books. He's written a lot of career books that are like textbooks, basically. They're really thick. And a lot of them are about, I, I read it because years ago I was really doing well in retrospect. I was on the charts on the radio. I was spending hours and hours in hair and makeup chairs all over the world. And just like, oh my God, what am I doing? What, what, you know, it's, this is, this is it. And, um, and so I, 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 I've always cr- considered other careers. I think part of it, cause my parents, you know, planted that doubt and I let it stay there. Like, are you really using your brain? Are you really, you know, is this the best career for you? Is, are there other things that would be more fulfilling and more secure? Mm-hmm. And that's in the back of my head a lot. And, um, I found this book and it, and it's supposed to help you figure out what, what you do want to do. And it's, I think, especially written for people in these corporate jobs who get kind of sucked into their job and then they're, they don't have a lot of control in their life. And 
um, he helps walk you through all these different questions and answers about what's important to you and what, what are the real values and elements that make your life and maybe your work feel worthwhile and that make you feel connected to it. And I thought I was going to maybe find another job by answering all these questions, but I actually was able to look at the work I'm already doing in a more respectful way and realize that a lot of the values that I would satisfy by switching jobs I was actually able to focus on those more in the job I'm already doing, which made my job a lot more satisfying, hmm. even without ups and downs, you know, even without, mm-hmm. you know, being the top of the top all the time. But that being said, it's something you have to constantly, uh, or not totally constantly, or you'll go crazy, but regularly go back and look at, like, am I doing, is this what I thought it was? Is this what I want to do? Do you guys ever find yourself asking questions like that? Is this what I want to do? Well, we're going to get back to the interview with Lisa in just a minute, and you can hear what she has to say about that. But first, I want to talk to you about Nudu. Nudu, that's N-U-D-U, is a luxury skincare line. And I'll tell you, it is all about the health of your skin as well as making it beautiful. That's because Nudu is made from the purest, most potent natural botanicals and antioxidants. Here's the kicker. They're not only effective, but they're safe. There's no toxic chemicals in any of the Nudu products. And I can tell you, I have used these myself and noticed a wonderful difference. I've tried the cleanser, the toner, the moisturizer. I've noticed an immediate difference in the quality, the clarity, and the feel of my skin. And I'll tell you what, it gives me peace of mind knowing that every Nudu product is chemical free. What? I know. Go right now to Nudu.com. That's N-U-D-U.com to find out how you can create radiant, healthy skin. I would like to get your, your thoughts on sort of the, um, the state of the music industry as it is right now. Um, I had, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Doty. He used to be the lead singer of soul coughing and, um, now he does a lot of solo stuff. I'm a huge fan of his and he was on our podcast. Uh, I say our podcast, it's my podcast. He was on my podcast, uh, a few months back and, um, just really enjoyed talking to him about the music industry. And I would love to hear, cause he's been doing it since the nineties as well. Um, yeah, and I would just love to see, like, hear what your thoughts are as like, how much has it changed? Um, does it seem like it's more of the same uh, and why do you keep, why do you stay in it? I guess is what I would like to know. Well, that's a, an interesting question because, um, you know, we were talking about careers and everything and it's mm-hmm. funny that now I actually really love playing music. I love playing concerts. It's really fun. Grown up concerts and kids concerts. It's really fun to connect with all those people. I enjoy the travel. It's not complicated for me. You know, it's complicated putting together the logistics of family and the puzzle, but I feel like we've gotten a pretty good balance here where I don't leave very long at a time. You know, I leave my house five days, seven days at the most. And that's rarely like, it's usually a long weekend or five days or something like that. Um, I really enjoy playing. I've got tons of songs to play, tons of songs I'm writing. There's so many ways to get music out there and connect with people, which is amazing. It's like a dream come true. Since I, since I was a kid, I was, I also had a radio show when I was in high school at the, the all boys school. And, People would listen to me locally and I'd give away records. And I love the music side of business as well as the people kind of like meeting people backstage and meeting a new man, you know, meeting managers and DJs and people who, 
who are in the industry and marketing people and publishers and stuff. So I love every, I love so many things about the music industry. The only problem is it's really hard to make a living in the music industry now. Right. Um, so I think that's the biggest downside. If, if, if the record sales, there's like a few different ways you can make money as a musician. And two of the big ones have disappeared, including record sales. Mm -hmm. And for most people, um, and so it's just really hard to make a living. If it was easier to make a living doing this, then I'd be like, woohoo, this is great. But it, it is tough. And I do a lot of different things. So I'm able to, you know, put it all together. But to make a living is really uh, challenging, you know? And do they, is it hard because they're not, like, you don't have the, you know, you sign a record deal uh, anymore where they give you X amount up front and then you go on tour and you make your money on tour? Yeah. Like, what is it that's hard? Well, no, you still people still make money on tour because that's like working at a job. Like you, there's a guarantee. So you know that you're, they're going to pay you at least a certain amount mm -hmm. if you show up and play. Um, it's just hard to see. You can't sell records anymore. I, I sell CDs at shows, but not the same amount as when it used to buy records at a record store. People listen for free, you know, or, or yeah. through streaming sites where the royalties are very low and radio royalties are lower. Plus like Mike, you know, we're further away from the hit songs, mm -hmm. um, which isn't even the goal anymore. It's more, you know, the goal is what the yeah, goal I was, was originally. Say, is that a goal to achieve that hit song status again? Well, that's always amazing. I mean, you never know what's going to be popular, what's going to resonate with people. You might not be, you know, you, you might not be in the same category as whatever the cool new thing is, but you just never know if you're going to write a song for a soundtrack or have a song that connects with people for some reason, you know, you just don't know or have a song in a commercial. So it's never completely out of reach, but it's not really, you know, it's like playing the lottery. Yeah. Um, but, but luckily instead of playing the lottery as a musician, the lottery is just writing a lot of songs, you know, and, and, and recording them and getting them out there. So you don't lose from doing that. Um, you just might not win the lottery, but so the process is amazing. But, but like I said, you just can't necessarily, you don't necessarily, make money from it. Yeah. Um, you, you have to be way more strategic, which in a way is amazing. There's a lot of different strategies and things people are trying to do. On the other hand, every once in a while, I think, Oh my gosh, wouldn't it be cool to be like what we perceive Fleetwood Mac or something where you, you spend a year making a record and then you go on tour for a year and then you mm -hmm. take off some time and you write a record and then you, I was like, Oh, that'd be so nice. I remember, um, like a psychiatrist or some or a psychologist once said, you need more punctuation in your sentences, <laughs> in your life. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you need, like there should be a period, and then like there's a break, and then you know there's different phases. But most of us that I know, we all are are writing all the time, recording all the time. It seems like that luxury doesn't exist anymore for being able to take a year to write an album, a year to record it, yeah, no. a year to tour. You know what I mean? Like you have to crank yeah. out hits and songs so fast and furious. Um, yeah, you just kind of have to be on the ball all the time and, and create structure for yourself. But like I said, even that's not so horrible. The problem is n nothing is reliable in terms of um, income, which I guess it never has been, but I, at least – the, you know, the people I know who've had songs that were hit songs in the way, way in the past, like people who have had hit songs from the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, they just had a nice steady stream of passive income while they continued being a musician and honing in on their craft and all that. Whereas now we're in a generation where you, that's that passive income is not reliable, really, right. um, which I'm, is too bad. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting 
it's an interesting business right now. I mean, it's it's just it seems so focused on the hits, but then I'm always like, well, I know my husband and I mostly just listen to the same favorites that we've always loved, you know, for years and years, and you know, that's just maybe it's yeah. just our generation. I don't know. Well, I yeah, I do too. And then that there's an issue too. Like I feel like the market is more inundated with musicians. Everybody can record themselves. Sure. Everybody their music out there. But then that's also a good thing too, you know. Yeah. So I think it's more of a matter of um, you know, everybody being able to 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 monetize their career because because there's so much freedom now and it's it's amazing to to have so much freedom creatively to make things. And the record the record company thing was always kind of a myth. Yes, they would give you an advance, but you had to have some good advice from people to know that you sh- a you should never spend all that advance making your record because it doesn't cost that much. Uh, B, you should treat it really conservatively and act like that's your income for the next two years for you and everybody else who's living off of that band, um, living off of that advance. If it's an entire band, uh, you know, if you have a $500,000 advance and five band members and there's a hundred thousand dollars per person for two years, plus you have to make a record for back in those days, it would be like 150, $250,000. There's not a lot of money there really. No. Um, you don't have health insurance and you don't, you know, it's, it, and you would get a certain amount of um, support from the record company, but that would come out of your pocket at the rate of which they were paying you royalties. So if they had a like a dollar fifty, which is a probably an average royalty rate, you know, you would borrow a hundred thousand dollars from them, but you'd have to sell what is a hundred thousand uh, dollars where you're paying them back at a dollar fifty a record. So you'd, uh, have, to you'd have to sell at least quite double. A yeah. Yeah. To pay them back for what they gave you before you even see any money coming. Wow. So, you know, it's sort of a bad loan, basically. Um, but then it comes along with some positive things, like certain record companies were good at support, uh, marketing support. But then again, all that money would, uh, you, you'd owe them that money, too. Um, well, anyway, here's, here's what I'd like to know, then, is, you know, you're talking about um, finding ways to, uh, survive with your finances and make money. And, and then you also, uh, tour and you, I know you have a lot of engagements. How do you balance that with your family life and being a mom? Because that's definitely one side of the entertainment industry that is always fascinating to me because as actors, a lot of the work is in LA or you go on location and sometimes you can bring your family with you or, you know, and whatnot. Um, how do you balance the two if you do at all, or if you're still working on balancing? Um, I, I keep a really detailed calendar that I'm doing and my family is doing. Um, you know, she knows my son's karate lessons as well as I do. Um, no offense, but probably better than my, what my husband knows about when my son's karate lessons are. Um, but my husband's also really, really involved and I'm, I finally knock on wood, have a pretty good, resource. I have a pretty good list of babysitters. I have a primary babysitter that we found who's amazing, um, who's flexible because she's also in music and acting, um, and a handful of other babysitters that we really like and trust. Um, so, you know, just trying to keep on the ball, making sure that I know in advance when all important school events are or personal events or religious school things are. This weekend, something's coming up. We didn't realize that the time that I was booked to play two sets at this great event, the SoCal Moms Family Play Day, which is mm-hmm. an amazing event, which I love my kids to go to because it's so much fun. Um, it's actually the same time as my daughter's big open house at her school. Oh, no. So what so, do you do in that, in that situation? So that's complicated. That's, that's unfortunate. Every once in a while, I do have to bite the bullet. It's not a graduation, mm-hmm. and it's not a, a performance. 
So what I'm going to do is my kids are not going to go to the event and my husband's going to go take the kids to the school function and I will race over after my second set. Instead of signing autographs after my second set, I'll sign autographs the entire time between my first set and my second set. And I'll just race over and I'll catch the tail end of the the uh, thing. And next year we'll try to be even more careful about that. But it's all about like just, you know, enlisting help, getting my in-laws. My in-laws are awesome and so are my parents are great with the kids. Try to fly somebody in if I'm going to be away for longer than normal, which is unusual. Uh, I'll be in New York for the Carlisle run for two weeks. Um, and I said yes, because I knew I could bring my family. I'll take my son out of preschool for a week and I'll, my daughter will have finished school. So I'll take her and, and they'll come to New York and hang out with my, my in-laws and come see me. And so I won't be away from them, but it's all just a balancing act. It's just, and I literally have a list of my priorities. It's like health, family, mm-hmm. and then you know, making money, (laughs) you know, which hopefully is made up of things that I enjoy doing. I love that. No, it's true. I love that because you have to try to find a balance between, um, especially in this, in the entertainment industry where everything is so freelance, we all sort of work for ourselves. Um, uh, whether you're a musician, you're an actor, you're a writer, everybody's, you never know from one minute to the next when you're going to get your next gig. And if you have to go out of town or be on set for a few days or whatever, Um, so I'm always curious to hear what everybody does to kind of make it work. And some people have different, you know, I grew up, it sounds like you might've been the same way, just like really old school, leave it to beaver. Mom, mom is, you know, the parents Mm -hmm. are there. Nobody travels a ton. You know, we did travel, but not like I travel in and out. You know, I recently was in Dallas with my kids. I brought them home and the next day I was for that night when we got back, I had a movie premiere, but we all knew about it. And, and I'd been with my kids for two weeks straight, most of the day, all day. Um, but I came back with my kids to Los Angeles. The next day I was on a plane going back through Dallas to go play a concert for a day in Florida. And to me, that wasn't a big deal, but I grew up, you know, sort of in a really straightforward way. So I, I, I did, I, I talked to like Cheryl Crow one day, I asked her, well, how do you do it with your two young kids? And she's like, well, I just take them with me. And I'm like, well, I think her taking her kids with her is probably different than me. I don't, I'm not on a big tour bus, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have a friend. It sounds like she had maybe had a friend who can help come out with her, watch yeah. her kids. You know, it's just, it, we all do it in different ways. And I, and I'm, I, I'm not somebody who's gonna, you know, the way I would do it, I, I would like to do a summer trip where. I play for three weeks and I'm out for a week and then my kids come out and meet me for a week. And we do kind of like a family United States trip where you're looking at the St. Louis arch and then I go play a concert that night. And then they wake up and eat breakfast with whichever grown up, either my husband or grandparent um, or cool babysitter. They eat breakfast with them. And then I wake up because I had to sleep late. And then we all go to a park or whatever sightseeing and drive to the next city. But that's a pipe dream. (laughs) But I don't know. I don't. People do it different ways, and I try to talk to moms. And a lot of people, you know, I was listening to Sheryl Sandberg on a TED Talk. I haven't read her book yet, but she was saying that women, um, there's not as one, as many women exec, executives advancing the same as men. And it's like when you have kids, I don't know what happens, but you just you you really, at least for me, I think a lot of women just they choose to be it be more with their kids you know mm-hmm. it's just a priority it just is it's true and there's that, something that about it can't be everywhere yeah and the people who i hear are very successful and have kids they they're either able to have so much help which is awesome but can be really expensive 
or maybe they have grandparents or family that can be really there all the time. But it just means you don't spend as much time with your family. And yeah. that's, not, that's not how I, that's not what I'm used to. And also I'm not used to my kids. Like I'm, it's, it's very strange for me to take my kids out of school to go to New York city. Like that's not acceptable, but I'm going to do it anyway, a couple times. Um, but that's unusual for me. For some people it just, they don't blink an eye. It's just not a thing. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, we, I'm, I'm doing this thing and the kids are coming with me. Yeah. They so, sort of, they incorporate their kids into their work and into their, you know, into their lives that way. There's been a few times where I've, well, there's been many times actually I've taken my daughter with me to like an audition. Um, I only, how old is your daughter now? She's four. She just turned four a couple weeks ago. And, um, I've had to take her with me to audition since she was about eight weeks old, maybe, maybe three, three months old. But, um, she doesn't go to everyone. Um, but it's just sort of, I'm like, well, this is my job. I don't have any family in LA. Um, yeah. and I can't afford to pay a hundred bucks or 40 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever. Every time I need a sitter for an hour, you know. I just thought of a job for young actors. Um, they could go to big calls, especially for women and hire themselves out as a babysitter to watch people's kids while they go, while in, they go in. Yeah. Well, there's, like the, I've, no, I've actually audition. bribed a lot of my friends to come with me and I'll be like, Hey, I'll buy you lunch. If you just hang out with her in the car or I'll, you know, just come and walk around the block with her. I've had a lot of friends who've done that. I've also, I have a little Facebook group that I started, um, for parents who are like, Hey, I'm going to this audition, you know, in Santa Monica, is anybody going to be there at this time? Would you mind watching my daughter? You know, kind That's of a, so um, something like that. Yeah, so but- we could all connect. Yeah. Yeah. It's like help each other out because it's, it's really the only industry in the world and business in the world that I know of where we don't work nine to fives. We don't have a, you know, a cubicle mate or anybody to, to, uh, swap daycare stories with, or, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a, it's such a freelance bohemian kind of industry and we have to help each other. Yeah, I bring my daughter to. I've I've brought my daughter to voiceover auditions. She's 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 very civilized. <laughs> she's even from a young age. You know, she would be able to sit quietly. Um, yeah, Channing's really good. That's I, my I, daughter. She's really good. She'll go in right now and she sits right down on the couch and she waits till I'm done. And then one time we were leaving and she goes, "Good job, mommy." And I was like, "Oh, thank you." Really it was so I sweet. did bring my son when he was a little younger. I remember he sat on a stool. Actually, it might have been my daughter. Now I don't remember. When I, <laughs> but, but a lot of my voiceover auditions are just in a studio. They're not with a casting director. But he sat on a stool completely quietly while I read the copy. And uh, it was fine. No <laughs> Cell phones, which is, you know. Right, exactly. There's a cell phone. Um, well, I'm going to, um, let you go. Cause I know you have a lot of things going on right now. And I feel like I could probably chat with you forever about, um, being a mom in this town and, and, um, music industry. Cause like I said, music is a big part of our family as well. So, um, this has really been such a treat for me to talk with you and I hope I get to see you on Sunday too. At the, oh, yeah, really yeah. I'm playing at 10, 15 and I'm playing at noon and I'll be signing CDs and stuff in between the two. And, um, yeah, I think it's a really, really fun event. Well, I'm going to put information up, um, on my website about the event, but also about your, you know, is it a residency at the Carlisle? Is that what I read or yeah, is it? A... Yeah, okay. it's a residency. I mean, that's, I, I think of it as a run, but people keep calling it as a residency as well. And then I call it a residency. Um, and also you can mention my, all my new kids records that are on Amazon. There's two 
two newer ones that are on Amazon that you can listen to for free on Amazon Prime. And then what one, is, is Feel What You Feel? Yeah, that's one of them. And the other one is Nursery Rhyme Parade. Yes. And the Nursery Rhyme one also has videos you can watch, a bunch of videos, like over 30 short, short videos of all the great nursery rhymes. So cute. Yes, I'm going to put all of that information up on motherhoodandhollywood.com as well as some links and where people can um, find more information about you. And also, can they, uh, they can buy your albums on iTunes? Um, they can buy some on iTunes and the most recent ones only on Amazon only Prime Amazon. Ex- exclusively. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, you guys have a wonderful week. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls. <laughs>